Hello and welcome to the Reborn Fitness Podcast. My name is Timothy Horn and as always I am your host. I hope you are all doing well and welcome to episode number five. We are at the penultimate episode of series number two. This series is absolutely flown by. It's it's amazing. So I've really enjoyed this series and I hope you've enjoyed the series too. Um, we've got a fantastic episode today uh, all about uh, cold water and the cold shock, uh, cold shock response. Sorry, excuse me. Um, so um, yeah, we've got a fantastic episode. Really exciting. Nothing too long, but just good knowledge, uh, and hopefully it will educate you and 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 help you to to learn something uh, a bit different and a bit new um, today. So that's that. So before I get into that though, uh, reborn fitness. Uh, if you like this podcast, then you are going to like fitting this fitness in. It's a podcast that I've been listening to, and it's presented by a guy called Jeff Kovacs. And Jeff covers a variety of topics from Jeff's personal experience to fitness-related workouts and tips and to food recipes also. So if you're interested, go and check him out on Spotify and also check out his website at www.fitnessfitnessin.com. That's www.fitnessfitnessin. Um Okay, and you can also email Jeff at fittingthisfitnessin at gmail.com. That's fittingthisfitnessin at gmail.com. And fitting is F-I-T-T-I-N, this fitness in. Okay, so go and check that out. A great podcast, so I'd highly recommend you go and give that a listen. Okay, Um Let's get into it. Let's get into the uh, episode today, the penultimate episode, and look more into more detail uh, about cold water and the cold shock response on the Reborn Fitness Podcast. Okay, so welcome back. Let's dive in and look at the cold shock response in more detail and what happens when you emerge yourself in cold water. Now, back in 2014, the World Health Organization clocked that there were 375,000 deaths every year in water. Yes, this is back in 2014, but still 375,000 deaths every year in water. That's a crazy amount. In 2015, though, there was five to 600 deaths um, in that year due to water and this is the scary stat and over over half never expected to go into water over half never expected to actually be in water that's frightening so how those five six hundred over half didn't even imagine themselves to even go near water so you can that is that is amazing so it's something that you cannot mess around with water is deadly especially cold water now there's sort of sort of three stages you have the initial response which is the skin cooling okay sort of three to five minutes okay you then get some short-term responses over the next five to thirty and anything 30 minutes plus it starts to become long-term responses and i'll cover a few short-term and long-term things and i'll also talk about a personal experience i had in cold water actually uh, in a controlled environment though don't worry nothing uh, too scary um but i think let's introduce the cold 
shock response and see what the cold shock response is. So the cold shock response, when you enter cold water, the sympathetic nervous system activates, okay? So the nerves and the responses start to activate and start to fire. And then this actually gives you the response of the gasp slash hyperventilation. So when you enter cold water, I'm not sure if you've been in cold water before, and when you enter it first, you start to go (gasps) like that, or you know, that big gasp. Well, that's your sympathetic nervous system activating, okay? Now, some other things that will happen is you'll see your heart rate increase and also your blood pressure increase. Now, the dangers of these things happening is this, first of all, when you hyperventilate and you gasp, This could lead to you aspirating water, okay, or inhaling water, which would then drown the lungs and lead to drowning, which is not good. You also can get swim failure. And another thing you can get is a heart attack because an increased heart rate, if you've got, you know, a vulnerable heart anyway, can lead to a heart attack, which could then unfortunately lead to drowning. So it's, you know, you've got to really get over that first stage. And the way you do that is by trying to control your breathing. I know it sounds like, oh yeah, that sounds e- it is easier said than done. Oh, you know, I've experienced, and I'll talk more about that experience in a, in a minute. But you really want to control your breathing. And then secondly, you want to be able to try and get onto your back to float. A lot of people enter that cold water and start kicking their arms and legs and flailing their arms and legs. And that's going to lead to fatigue and swim failure and other things and eventually drowning, which unfortunately then leads to death. Okay, now some of the factors that modify the cold shock response. Okay, the first one is the temperature of the water. Okay, so if the temperature of the water is at five degrees, that cold shock response will be greater, it'll be very, very intense and very, very severe compared to a temperature, water temperature of let's say 15, 17, 19 degrees. Okay, so that's one of the first factors that can affect how severe or how mild the cold shock response is. The second thing is surface area exposed. So what I mean by surface area is how much of your body is exposed to the cold water. So if you've just got your legs in there, that cold shock response won't be as intense compared to having your whole body emerged up to your neck, for example. So if you've got everything up to your neck and your head sticking out, that response will be much more intense than if you just have your feet in cold water or your hands or just your head, for example. Another one is habituation, okay, or repeated immersion. So if you repetitively immerse yourself, there we go, um, you will find that the cold shock response won't be as severe. Another factor that can uh, also affect the severity of the cold shock response is prior exercise. If you're more fatigued uh, going in uh, and a bit warmer, then this could help modify the cold shock response uh, as compared to going in cold, for example. Okay, and the last one, which I find quite interesting, is the clothing you wear. So if you go into, let's say, 10 degree water in your swimming trunks, that cold shock response will be severe compared to, compared to going in in a dry suit, for example. A dry suit will help to buffer that cold shock response and you won't feel the cold water as much. So the clothing you wear, so how much clothing you have, um, will alter that cold shock response. Now. Another thing is when you're exposed to cold water for a period of time, so for really for 30 minutes plus, you actually start to see muscle function reduced. So your ability to move and dexterity starts to go. 
okay, uh, which is really interesting. So the sort of the process is your skin temperature will start to cool when you enter. You have that initial response, that initial gasp. And then from there, your skin temperature will start to reduce. And then once that's cooled down, then your muscle temperature on your muscles will start to cool. This is where the dexterity starts to go. And then after that, your deep body temperature will start to cool. And that's where it gets dangerous. Now, back in, I think, March or February, I think, I had the opportunity. I was doing environmental physiology at Portsmouth is one of my units for sports science. And one of the uh, experiments was a cold, uh, was an immersion, like a cold shock response immersion. So they had a tank of water set at 15 degrees and I crazily volunteered because I wanted to. And they um, measured your heart rate. They had like an ECG on you. And they also measured your deep body temperature through a rectal thermometer. So they had to stick it like a, a tube up your backside, which then measured your core body temperature to make sure that your vitals weren't, you know, nothing happened because obviously health and safety is important. So yes, that's what happened. So I then sat in a chair and they lowered me down in a seat slowly into the 15 degree water. And for the first five minutes, I had to just sit there in this cold water and they started to measure all my vitals, body temperature, heart rate, and to see what happens with that cold shock response. And the minute I entered, I went, <gasps> and I started hyperventilating and gasping, and I managed to control my breath. And then from there, I started to shiver to try and keep myself warm. And my skin temperature started to cool. And then from there, after the five minutes was up, I got out of the chair. I then had to then float on my back for 20 minutes. Okay, so for 20 minutes, I had to float, just float on my back, no movement, nothing for 20 minutes. But every sort of five to 10 minutes, they got me out and I had to do dexterity tests. So they got like a, a screw, a nut and bolt, and I had to unscrew it to the end, to like a, like a line and then screw it back on. And they timed me and to see how long it took me. Uh, another test they, they, they did on me was a clicker test. You know, those clickers for events, they click one person in two. They had one of those and I had to see how many clicks I could do in 10 seconds. And, you know, after sort of for the first five minutes, they did it and I was okay. Didn't really lose dexterity. But after sort of 25 minutes, my dexterity went. So the, the, the nut and bolt screw took me about two minutes to do. I could do it in about 30 seconds less than I just quickly unscrewed it and quickly screwed it on again. But as time went on, my manual dexterity started to go because my skin temperature had cooled down and my muscle temperature had started to cool down also. And that meant that my muscle function was reduced. Um, it was really interesting. And then for the last 20 minutes of the test, it was 40, 40 minutes in total in 15 degree water. I had to float on my back, but then I could kick my arms and legs, not kick, but, you know, move my arms and legs to keep myself doing some exercise. And interestingly, that actually helped prolong my cooling, the rate of cooling. I actually prolonged it and it actually kept pretty stable. Um, so it was a fantastic, fantastic experience. It really was um, I had blue li blue lips at the end, uh, and it took me a really long time to warm up, actually. Um, and um, it was a fantastic experience. I managed to do the full 40 minutes. It was really cold. After a while, it was really cold. It was horrible getting back in again. Each time you got back in, it got worse. Um, <laughs> it was like knives. Every time you got back in, like sort of just like pointing, oh, it was really bad. And I got through it good mental test and uh, I was actually enjoying it and they thought I was a bit crazy because I was smiling sort of 35 minutes into this test and a lot of people weren't <laughs> so it was a really good experience um, but yeah interestingly kicking, kicking my arms and legs actually uh, delayed 
the rate of cooling uh, that my body had compared to me just lying still for 20 minutes. It was a fantastic experience. Um, and so some of the factors that actually affect your cooling rate is, is fatigue. So the more fatigued you are, um, the quicker you're going to cool. And if you're not, uh, you know, if you're fresh, um, obviously another one is the water temperature. Um, but another key one is your size is key. The bigger you are, the more there is to cool, so the slower it is. If you're smaller like me, I'm only five foot seven, uh, you know, and not that big. So the rate of cooling you can imagine was quite quick, but I actually managed to prolong that by doing that. Uh, kicking my arms and legs actually helped me um, to stay um, to stay warmer. Um, and in this tank, they actually had the water running, circulating around. So you know when you sort of lie in water and you just sort of lie, you can hit like a pool of air uh, of warm water so you can actually stay warmer not here the water was coming all the way so it's constant cold so i couldn't actually have that little bubble to keep myself warm um so it's really interesting so no very very great great experience i'd really recommend if anyone could do it at uni or is going to do a sports science and you do environmental phys try and sign up to that if you can it's a great experience um i'm not sure which other unions do it but when i did it it was a fantastic fantastic experience so how long do you have if you ever got lost at sea? Well, research has shown, so for example, water temperatures of five degrees, if you ever get stuck in temperatures of five degrees, so in the Atlantic Ocean or, or somewhere crazy, you have about an hour, and in that hour, you have a 50% chance of surviving, and you have a search and rescue time of a six hours. So they have a six-hour window, usually it takes people to find them in five-degree water, Okay. Well, what about in 10 degree water? Well, you have about two hours. And again, in that, you have about a 50% survival rate. So you have a bit longer. But then with that being, the search and rescue time is double. It will take you, rather take them about 12 hours. They have like a 12 hour window to try and find you. And in 15 degree water, which I've experienced, <laughs> it sounds warm, but it's not. After a while, it is cold. I tell you, it's really cold. 15 degrees sounds nice, but it's not. It is pretty, pretty chilly. You have about six hours uh, of survival time. You can last about six hours, but again, you have about a 50% chance survival rate. But the search and rescue time for this is 18 hours. So they have a bit longer. Okay. So, yeah, that, that that's it really, really for this episode um, about cold shock water. Um, eventually, obviously, as I said, the skin cools and the deep body temperature and once your temperature go, your body temperature, your deep body temperature goes below 35 degrees, that is clinical hypothermia. That's when you become hypothermic. Um, and that was actually our cutoff point for experiments. If anyone's body temperature got below 35, uh, they had to cut the experiment off because it gets it becomes dangerous. Um, so I think my body temperature got down to sort of 36, maybe even to 35.9s. Um, it got got down to the low 36, close to 35. So it got pretty cold in 40 minutes. So you can imagine it's, yeah, and that's 15 degree water. So you imagine five degree water. So, um, yeah, so it's very, very interesting. So when you enter cold water, try and control your breathing and float to live, guys. Okay, so try and get onto your back and float. Calm, gentle strokes, not panicking because you're going to fatigue yourself. And fatigue will lead to swim failure, rate of cooling increasing, etc which then obviously leads to death so if you want to increase your rate of survival times you need to float on your back and control that breathing because the, the 
when people die the most is that first five minutes. The minute they enter the water, <gasps> they start flapping around, they fatigue themselves out, and then they start to have swim failure where they can't keep their head above water, they start taking water on board, and then they start to lose consciousness, they black out, they have a heart, whatever, and then they end up drowning, which ultimately leads to death, which is not good. So that's it, really. So we're going to move on now to the finale of the uh, podcast which is our motivational message and it's going to be something not too crazy something short and sweet for you to hopefully leave you feeling motivated and inspired okay so the motivational message today that i'm going to leave you lovely people of reborn fitness community with is uh having a beginner's mindset yeah having a beginner's mindset i see a lot of athletes and a lot of sports people from my my experience you know especially as you get older and you've been in the sport long a long time and you've played a lot you start to sort of have that approach where you listen to your coach and you take things on board but you just sort of half take the information on if that makes sense so you sort of listening and you sort of know what's going to come you know what they're going to say but you listen to them anyway because they're your coach and you respect them or the squads and you start to know the drills you don't really it just becomes a routine so I tried you know obviously before the lockdown to have a beginner's mindset I heard it somewhere and I thought I'd try it and it's actually amazing how I picked up things that I hadn't seen just little little tiny details that I thought gave me a fresh approach on everything and it helps to keep that love and that passion for the sport Especially if you have, if you're playing quite a lot of sport of of that sport and it's quite intense, it can lead to tedium and boredom and and becoming just monotonous and just becomes you're doing it because you're good at it and you don't enjoy it. So having that beginner's mindset gives you that approach and helps you to strip back everything you know and just almost reteach yourself and you actually pick up little things you haven't noticed before, little things that might give you a different approach or different perspective on doing that certain thing. Um, which is actually really fascinating. So if you've never tried it, I'd really suggest trying it, no matter what you do. If you're watching a video, have it with an open beginner's mindset. Just really listen to every word they're telling you, how to do it. Just listen to everything and see if you can find anything or change anything or just notice things that you've never noticed before. Or or, or even something might just click. It might just drop and go, ah, okay, I didn't realise. That's what I've been trying to get. And now I understand it. Because you have that beginner's approach, you humble yourself to have that beginner's mindset, to take away that sort of know-it-all attitude and persona of, yeah, I've been doing it for 20 years and, yeah, okay, yeah, we're going to do a cross-court drill or I'm going to hit the forehand this way. And if they break the technique down again for a stroke or a tactic in football, really listen with a beginner's mindset and ask questions as well. Be curious. A lot of sports athletes, as they get older, just take information from coaches and just listen and nod their head and go, that's fine. And they'll do the drill. And after sort of two minutes of the drill, they'll have a load of questions. Ask questions then. Coach, why are we doing this drill? What's the benefits, coach? What am I looking to aim? What are we looking to achieve in this? What's a good score, coach? Is there a better way of doing what I'm doing right now? Ask questions. Be curious. Have that beginner's mindset. It will reignite that passion you've had for the sport. If you may be struggling with uh, with that or your training is becoming hard or it's monotonous or it's boring, have that beginner's mindset. It will give you a different approach, help to hopefully reignite that fire you have and love for that sport that you play and you love and you've been doing for, for a long time. Um, so yeah, that, that's really what I want to leave you with is that beginner's mindset and humbling yourself to just listen and, and, and just give a fresh perspective on something. And I tell you, you will learn things and find out things that you're like, wow, 
I didn't know that, or I didn't see it in that way, or I didn't know it could be done in that way, or, you know, ah, oh, I'm going to incorporate that, and, you know, it'll just help, and, you know, even if it's just one little thing, that's fantastic, that's what I want, just one little thing you find and go, wow, okay, I like that, that's interesting, that's new, that's different, so have a beginner's mindset and humble yourself, and just pick up one little thing, um, so that's what I ask, what I want to challenge you with really this week is over the next week, uh, if you're training in the gym or you're watching a program or you're watching a sporting event, have approach it with the beginner's mindset. So strip, pretend you don't know anything about that sport and just watch it and see if you just even pick up one little thing that you didn't see or didn't appreciate or didn't notice and then get in touch with me. You can email me reborn.fitness2020 at gmail.com. That's reborn.fitness2020 at gmail.com. Or head to my website, www.rebornfitness2020.squarespace.com. That's www.rebornfitness2020.squarespace.com. And you can, there's a get in touch form, uh, which you can then get in touch with me. And I'd love to hear from you. And on the next episode, if we have any, I will read uh, some out. Okay, I'll put that in and I'll read some of the uh, listeners' feedbacks out. So this week, if you're playing sport, playing tennis, football, cricket, hockey, whatever it is, approach it with a beginner's mindset and then get in touch with me either on Instagram, Facebook or so on Twitter, direct message me or tag me in a post and just let me know what it is you found and I will give you a shout out on the next episode um, of the podcast. So that's my challenge to you. Let's see if any of you out there can... Learn something a bit different by having that beginner's mindset. Okay. And that's really the um, episode for today, really. That sort of wraps it up. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you found it useful. Um, I'd love to hear from you if you you have found these this series useful or you've learned anything that's been useful. Get in touch with me. Don't hesitate. I've also got the Reborn Fitness group now on the Facebook page. So anyone that has liked the Reborn Fitness page is invited to the Reborn group. And on the Reborn group, we discuss... Um, topics, the podcast, it's just a community where you can discuss anything fitness related, podcast related, YouTube related or fitness in general. So go and head out, go and check that out, go and check my website out as well and go and check the YouTube channel. There's some great workout videos on there, some technique series, loads of things. So there's lots to choose from, go and get stuck in. Uh, And I just want to leave you with, if you are enjoying this podcast uh, and you enjoy listening to it, I'd love to hear from you uh, by a review. you know, so leave a review, leave what your thoughts are of the podcast and head over to www.ratethispodcast.com forward slash reborn 2020. Now, reborn is lowercase r e lowercase b o r n 2020. Okay, so that's www.ratethispodcast.com forward slash reborn 2020. And uh, it would be much appreciated if you could just take a bit of time to do that. Anyway, that's it from me. Episode five is done. I hope you've enjoyed it. And we have got our final interview of series two next week where we have Sophia Crate Fox on, who is a personal trainer and an advocate for uh, women's confidence in sport and fitness. So she's a great, great woman and she's doing some great things. So it's going to be a fantastic episode next week. So I'm so looking forward to that. So I can't wait and I hope you can't wait. But until then... This has been the Reborn Fitness Podcast. I've been your host, Timothy Horn, and uh, have a great week, and I'll see you all very soon for the final episode. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.